a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution forgiven me. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins, which we're supposed to be conquering, have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the, the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is, is putting to death the old, the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. For those of you who made a New Year's resolution to listen to awful radio shows, this is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Finally. Here to help you keep your resolution. <laughs> the resolution of disillusion. <laughs> How's it going today, Pastor Wolfmuller? Fine. Yeah, yeah, fine. I'm excited because today we reveal... the, the What is this thing called? The Sermon Cruncher 1.0. A.K.A. the gobbledygook detector. <laughs> Submitted by Luther. The Cal- California Luther. Is this California Luther? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's exciting. Submitted by so- California Luther. Yeah, that's exciting. And then we get to play my favorite game, Ten Commandments in the News. In fact, I was thinking of renaming our radio show from Table Talk Radio to Ten Commandments in the News Radio. Ah, that'll work. Just playing that all the time. So that's, a, that's good. Awesome. How are you? How are you? I'm doing well. I am ready for some buzzwords, though. I'm having a hard time deciding which buzzword to give you. Yeah, so many a plethora. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I have one that's uh, relevant to our our uh, sermonizing later today, or I have one that's relevant to the season. Which would you like? Uh, the sermonizing uh, uh, thing. Okay. Well, uh, my theological buzzword for you is hypocrite. Hypocrite. Now, this is one of those words that has sort of two meanings. There is a common everyday meaning, and then there's... there's... the meaning that it gives in its face, and then the meaning that it does at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny right oh, that's there. That's funny. Oh, I don't if, care who for, you are. For those, <laughs> for those who enroll in the Wolfmeter School of Hilarity, you'll have that joke explained to you in your inbox oh, yeah, later today. Right. But uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> <laughs> the other, <laughs> so there's the common use of the word hypocrite that you'll hear in everyday language, and then there's oh, the <laughs> the word that's used in in Christian parlance. What happens Parlons. oftentimes is those who are in the Christian church who have avoided learning Christian vocabulary uh, use the the word in its uh, more secular use of the word. And so how it breaks down is this: well, it's kind of like that word uh, uh, anthropology. Remember when we talked about theological anthropology? Which, yeah, which is I the, think so. the doctrine of man, but when you go to the university and start talking about uh, anthropology, they're, they're not talking about Adam and original sin or anything like that. They're talking about some Indian tribe somewhere. Well, so it is with hypocrites. So the, the common use of the word hypocrite is that you simply say one thing and do another, right? Yes. Um, and so I say, look, you you really shouldn't be eating McDonald's, and then I go through the McDonald's drive drive through. Something like that's yes. it. That's a hypocrite. I feel guilty. <laughs> Although I don't say don't eat McDonald's, I say 
embrace McDonald's. <laughs> Why is he always talking about McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be the last McDonald's joke. Um, but but in the in the church, uh, the the, How does the McDonald's word, affect your conscience. <laughs> in the in the church, the word hypocrite means that you say you believe these things, but you actually don't. So you would stand up and confess the creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, but yet uh, you really don't. You're just putting on a show. Um, now that is something far different, because the, the what you commonly hear is, you know that thing, well, I can't go to church because there are so many hypocrites. And the, the kind of cheesy response you hear is, well, there's always room for one more. Mm-hmm. And what people don't realize what they're saying is that there's always room for more people who don't actually believe the thing they say they believe, right. <laughs> right. Which, which isn't a good thing at all. But we understand what they mean, and the common use of the word hypocrite is that we say we shouldn't lie, we say we shouldn't sin, but yet because we are fallen in sin, we can't help but do those things. So what's the best way to avoid being a hypocrite is every time you come to church, say, I'm a sinner. <laughs> right, yeah. So, so then you're, you're believing the thing that you say. Yeah, now I'm consistent when I sin. <laughs> so that's that's your theological buzzword of the day. I got it written down right here, hypocrite. Now, uh, my buzzword for you is Luke. Huh, that's pretty good, huh? As in lukewarm? No, like no, you're a lukewarm in, Christian? No, as in Luke, the, the gospel of. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd clarify. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's the same. How can we call things that are neither hot nor cold lukewarm? Why not like John Warmer? Mark warm or Brian warm? Wow, huh? Anyway, you gonna define let's see. It for Luke me? Uh, is uh, the guy who the the uh, uh, disciple of Jesus who, who is a Paul's companion for uh, any number of uh, like about like a one and a half missionary journeys. He is the author of the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. He is the only Gentile, uh, maybe with the exception of Job. He is the only Gentile who wrote any books of the Bible, which is interesting. He was apparently a doctor. People think that he comes, he, uh, he meets up with uh, Paul in this little town called Troas, which is the, kind of a, a bedroom community of Troy, which had already been destroyed, so it's kind of a bad bedroom community. Over there on the, <laughs> the Troy and Troas are kind of on the northwestern tip of Turkey, Asia Minor. So I think they've sailed out of Troas to Philippi, and that's when Luke jumps in. And it's kind of cool, you can see this, because there's these passages in the book of Acts where it'll say, they sailed, and then it'll say, we went. So so you see that Luke jumps on board, and he's with them, and then whenever he's not with them, he's talking about them third person. So that's Luke. That is your buzzword. All right. If you would have anything to say about our show, you can send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-7652 is the number. And uh, we're going to go to an email to uh, Luther, our, our San Diego Luther. Uh, Pastor, do you have that email? Oh, I, have, I printed out the cruncher, and I totally forgot about needing the email. Oh. Luther sent us, so that's okay, I got something to talk about. Luther, California Luther sent us the uh, sermon analyzer. His email said something like, hey, uh, you're crunching crunch the praise songs, which is good, but that's only part of the nonsense. There's a whole lot of more nonsense in most services, and that comes under the form of the sermon. And so he has put together this abstract of a sermon analyzer. Now, this is not a one-page deal. You need a kind of a notebook 
to keep this thing. Yeah, it's somewhere in between the the one single sheet for the praise song cruncher and the supercomputer that you need to run the the <laughs> praise song cruncher. It's somewhere in between there. I don't. I signed up for the Khan Academy so I can try to learn math so that I can. <laughs> figure out the praise song cruncher formula now apparently i'm on like second grade math level though so oh well it might be a little while before i'm i'm running fortran with (laughs) whatever differential equation kind of nonsense you know we could offer i think we should start table talk radio academy (laughs) and uh there's classes in hilarity and there's classes in physics. <laughs> I that's think right. this is Fortran. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Who's going to sign up? Yeah, which, uh, everyone who wants comedy, come with me. Everyone who wants Fortran and physics, go with Evan. Yeah, we, we can offer a, 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 major, uh, a major in ridiculousness. What did you study in school? Ridiculousness. <laughs> that's about right for me. <laughs> oh, by the way, I have a public service announcement. Oh. And that is this. You know that uh, journal around the word? That I've thing? heard of it. Yeah. Now this uh, at the end of that we put these uh, these devotions there, uh, which is kind of weekly and daily devotions. Well, we change we change this up a little bit now to where we're sending these out each week on email. So if you want uh, the this PDF of its front, uh, print on the front and back of a, a single page, daily and weekly devotions, uh, there for around the word, and they're just it's just a thing we're doing. It's a free thing, so there's no money involved. So uh, if any of our listeners would like to get that, then they can shoot me an email and. I'll get them signed up for that, and uh, it's kind of a nice thing. Okay. Do you think that you should give them your email address? Uh, I can't ever remember what it is. PRBW <laughs> at Table Talk Radio. Is that what it is? Dot, Dot org, org, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just wondering. It's kind of like when you called me yesterday and said, just so you know, your voicemail doesn't actually have an announcement. It's just <laughs> silence. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no. I, I Here's feel, the direction. a lot of people that way. <laughs> no, how come nobody leaves your messages? Take the worksheet and examine the shepherd teacher with the survey provided below. Circle the most appropriate response from each question and note the point value given for each of the responses. Are we going to have this on our website so people can follow along as they listen? Yes. At the end, take the responses, add up the points, place them in the point, etc., etc. Okay, so there's three parts. Introduction. Question A. Is the shepherd teacher delivering a sermon uh, a female to a mixed group? (laughs) (laughs) B. Does the shepherd teacher start off with a story about himself? C. Does the shepherd teacher start with a biblical text? Okay. Okay. Part two. Presentation of the message. Is the shepherd teacher working through a sermon series that the Bible does not address? (laughs) (laughs) B. Is there a skit before the sermon that illustrates what the sermon stories series or the sermon is about? C. Does the shepherd teacher take scripture out of context? D. Does the shepherd teacher preach about himself using stories, anecdotes, etc.? E. Like how you are always telling stories about how you're out at Club Rogue River. Right. Sorry about that. E. Does the shepherd teacher allegorize or eisegete the texts and make it about you? Okay. F. Does the shepherd teacher insult people who want more deeper Bible teaching? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. Well, so, uh, let me make a mark there at F, and then we'll come back later. All right. You are listening to Table Talk Radio in the brand new, this is kind of the beta version of the Sermon Analyzer or the Gobbledygook Detector. We'll continue this right after the break. How many Table Talk Radio listeners does it take to change a light bulb? 
you'll probably have to settle for one. Thankful for God's service through the pastors in your life? Then consider attending Christ for Us in the Office of the Holy Ministry, a conference of the Association of Confessing Evangelical Lutheran Congregations, this coming February 25th through 27th in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Visit our website at acelc.net for information on Christ for Us in the Office of the Ministry. Register online at acelc.net. Work it, make it, do it, makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. Welcome to Club Broke River, y'all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let's get busy in here. <laughs> yeah, next time you're up, you'll have, you'll have to come with me to Club Rogue River. <laughs> Is it, did, was it you or someone else that was telling me Club Rogue River is the library during the day and Club Rogue River at night? <laughs> nice. No, that was some, that? <laughs> that was somebody else that frequents Club Rogue River. <laughs> <laughs> what what is uh you got big plans at Club Rogue River for New Year's Eve tonight? Heck yeah. <laughs> they got the they got the the best DJ tonight. You know, CRR, that we should do. What haven't we done this yet? Do we have T-shirts for Club Rogue River? We and we should also do. Uh, <laughs> just think if it was like Pogue River instead of Rogue River, it, it could be CPR. Yay! Yeah, all right. that would be really that would be really cool. <laughs> Even cooler than CRR. We need yeah. that. We we need we need the Club Rogue River <laughs> T-shirts and bumper stickers. Oh man, we got to get on that. Yeah. How do oh, I make yeah. a bumper sticker? How do I? Where's our store? Uh, it's it's on there somewhere. Table talk. So, in, before talk. the break, we weren't just talking about Club Rogue River. We were actually talking about uh, this the sermon analyzer, and uh, we we have some pretty good questions on this so far, don't we? We have some introduction. We have the presentation of the message, and the last one we went to was. Does the uh, shepherd slash teacher insult people who want to learn uh, more or deeper uh, uh, a biblical teaching? And and uh, you see this, who is right? That guy that Tony Jones or yes. something? Is that who that is? He yeah. kicks people in the face with his boots and things? Yeah. That's probably not a good idea for a pastor. No, probably not. So, uh, okay, well, let's keep How come on our store... It has things blocked out. It says I don't want, and to, it's a, to be a gnostic, and they have it. <laughs> it's censored. like it's a like it's a vulgarity underneath there. <laughs> what is that about? May, maybe Cafe Press is run by Calvinists or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All these guys, there's the gnostics on there. We can't sell this shirt. <laughs> I don't know why that's doing that. Do you see it? Yeah. <laughs> now, how do I get in here and make a shirt? You, can you only you do that? No wonder we don't I'll, have any more better I'll, shirts. I'll give you the password. And you can. All right. Now the next thing <laughs> is: Does the shepherd teacher use tithing as a way to get m- money for the fellowship? Okay, that's G. Then G two: Does the shepherd teacher mention sin or downplay the doctrine of sin? Ah, here's a little long gospel. Wait H. a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's going on? Here? I'm I'm seeing a flaw in this. Yeah. Would you so let's say you had you listened to Pastor Wolfman there? Would you answer yes or no to that question? If I mention sin, yeah, or if I downplay the doctrine of sin, you see, you would I would think that you want to avoid sin or downplay it, so that way your yes question is consistent. All right, put that correction in there. Okay. Does the shepherd teacher fail to complete sentences? <laughs> Does, Does the shepherd teacher fail? <laughs> 
<laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, you know, one of the things that we're looking out for is cliché. You know what I'm talking about, cliché? Mm -hmm. That's a, a phrase that used to mean something and now no longer does. We've got to be on the lookout for... Does your, does your shepherd teacher preach clichés? So that will conclude the questions for the presentation. And now to the conclusion, conclusion. of the message. A, conclusion A. Does your shepherd teacher invite the worship team to come up and play as the shepherd teacher is speaking? Mm. <laughs> I'd like to invite the band up here. Da -da -da -da, soft music in the background. Did that happen when piano. you were speaking at that youth conference? Uh, no. Oh, okay. It did not happen. Why? Did you think it I, did? I think this would be fun. We should do this for your, your, your talk thing for the, the, then. That'd be great. For what? Uh, when you talked, what, what was the name of that group that, um, I'm offending our, our micro the Ace, Lutheran the Synod fly listeners. A-C-E, no, A-F-L-C. <laughs> A-F-L-C, the Fly Conference, the youth conference this last summer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should, we should run your, your talk there through this, uh, cruncher. Yeah. That, no, that one was more appropriate for how to manipulate, how to tell if you're being manipulated by a youth speaker. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one. We'll Remember do. how I was all manipulative? Oh, yeah. That's right. But no, the band didn't, they wouldn't have known what to do if they got on stage. But how would that be if if the pastor <laughs> at Hope, now this is, so, you know, you want the music to play at the end of your sermon? Be like, all right, we can start the hymn now. And the organ would just start blasting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can you hear me now? <laughs> all right, everyone. <laughs> Anyway, it wouldn't work. Okay. Uh, B, was the sermon full of imperatives or gotta-dos? Commands, but no gospel. C, is the message full of gospel, but no imperatives? That means not gospel, but that's the gospel light. Remember that whole thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's forgiveness, but you never know who it's for. <laughs> you got this really nice guy, Jesus, and you're sitting there wondering why it's a big deal. That's a sermon with gospel, no law. Uh, does the shepherd teacher give an altar call? For the people to receive Christ, and does the message point you to Christ for the forgiveness of sins? There you go. I like it. So, um, got to keep track of this. Possible points is zero to a hundred. Um, the the best would be the pastor teaches rightly remain at fellowship. Uh, Fifty one to seventy nine points may require supplemental material and study. 30 to 50 points is have a meeting with shepherd teacher to discuss issues in doctrine. And then 0 to 29 points, find another fellowship. So there you have it. So uh, the, the sermon that we're going to be listening to today, and we're going to do this uh, Chris Roseborough style, you know, where you uh, stop it and go as you, as you please. Stop the tape like that. That's right. I, in the meantime, am going to be making a Club Broke River shirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, this sermon that we're going to be listening to is uh, from <laughs> Chip, a sermon from Chip Ingram on his radio program, uh, Living on the Edge. Uh, so this is, you know, I don't know we're going to get the, the, the whole section um, here, <laughs> but he is pastor of uh, Venture Christian Church in, uh, uh, let's see, Los Gatos, California. So uh, ten bucks, he's cooler than us. Yeah. So here's the here's the sermon title. It's called "How to Overcome Hypocrisy in Your Public Life," and uh, this is <laughs> that sounds like one of those book titles from like the 1900s. <laughs> it's a little bit long. So you know, it how... should be it should be to be hip and cool. It should be like this: hypocrisy redo. No, hypocrisy redux. Hippo redux. That's what it should well, be. Well, I'll give I'll give him your email address. Hippo reduxectomy. 
<laughs> now, you know how these That's guys do it? They, they, they preach like a, an hour-long sermon, <laughs> and they put on their half-hour radio program. So I think we're catching the second half, but... Uh, but, you know, this would be something that someone listening to the radio program would hear, and, and nothing more. So, uh, here is Pastor Ingram. Worship is God's primary means of allowing us to see Him. Oh, significantly. Hold, hold on, stop the tape. <laughs> oh, this, Did you, worship is, is God's primary a means long show. of <laughs> letting us see Him? Is this what it is? Yeah. Okay, so it's, this is a definition of worship as seeing God. Do you see this? That's just... That's like textbook mysticism. Okay, explain that for those of well, us. Well, because who, so you know so God himself says, nobody can look on my face and live. Remember that little verse? I do. Oft overlooked by every form of mysticism. <laughs> and that is because God's holiness is dangerous to our sinfulness. So the idea of seeing God is a bit risky. So God is always going to hide himself. Now, I mean, this maybe was what Chip might preach. God's going to hide himself in the flesh of Jesus so that we can behold uh, the the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's how, how Paul says it. In other words, God, his majesty is hidden in Christ so that he can be accessible to us. But this, this striving to see God somehow in worship, uh, the, you know... It's it's like this. The mystic has the idea that you got a sixth sense. I, I don't know what they call it. They probably have a name for it. Uh, some sort of internal divine sense. The spark on the inside is what the old mystics used to call it. And that worship activates that sense. See? So God is here. God is present. But you, that sense has to be activated. It has to be, uh, you know, it has to be... I don't. What's it's kind of turned on? You, you, it's you, kind of like, like you those gotta... those ice packs, you know, when um when you got <laughs> yeah, got a shoulder injury, you pop the thing in the middle and shake it, and you get cold. That's right. You need that that right. thing, like the glow sticks that we hand yeah. out. Yeah, Rogue <laughs> River. Okay. All Let's right. Keep on going. But not perfectly. You know what but I mean when, by that? Significantly, no? but not perfectly. When you worship God, because you are fallen, we are going to see Him in a in a mirror or darkly. But we can see him significantly and accurately. Worship is God's primary means of allowing us to see him for who he is and thus be progressively transformed into his likeness. After we're told to be filled... I think we need to say something about that. (laughs) I'm going to stop it right there. So now it's true that we see the Lord dimly, not face to face, just in, in the scriptures and in our theology and... In our lives. Well, if he would but, say that, that would be fine. Yeah, but what's going on here is in worship this is happening. And and that and that the, this, the purpose of the seeing God is that now we become transformed. What text is he talking about? Uh, this is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then yeah, when the perfect comes... Yeah, there's a 2 Corinthians text that talks about um, beholding the glory of God in the face of Christ and being transformed into his likeness. Right. Now, I, 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 we're, gonna, we're coming up on a break, so let me just say a few words, and we can talk about this on the other side. You know, if, you, if you went to this guy's church and said, Pastor, I, I was there, I was at worship, and I did not see God. I was looking in the rafters, I was looking on the stage, I was looking under my seat and did not find God anywhere. Uh, he's going to look at you kind of bizarre. Um, but but this is the very thing he's saying that we should be seeing God. Goes, well, not you know not literally in a spiritual way we see God. Well, what if God came to us in ways that were tangible, like 
you know, in baptism or through the Lord's Supper, where he has promised to bind himself to things that we can see and touch. Why? Because then we have certainty. When you just say, hey, God's here, um, and you don't attach to any promise of God, then you're questioning, is this just all made up? Because should I be zapped because I'm a sinner and yet I'm in the presence of God? We'll maybe talk about more of that after this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio and the brand new Sermon Analyzer. Don't go away. Your very own theological court gestures. This is Table Talk Radio. Put your hands in the air, everybody! <laughs> Are you party people? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming out to Club Rogue and, and this is why I don't invite you. <laughs> Welcome be, back what is to the, what is it, the Wingman. I'm going to be the Wingman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, put on all the single ladies. All the single ladies. <laughs> yeah. That was a sermon text for your ordination. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. I remember your daughter I was Hannah bringing, bringing back so many good memories. Uh, yeah. Okay. So just to fill people in, uh, you said that that your opening line of my ordination sermon was going to be with all the single ladies. Please stand up. And um, and then your daughter Hannah goes, "Is he really going to do that?" <laughs> uh, no, Hannah. I hope not. Let's let's just. I, I don't know. Okay. So we're listening to the past, uh, pastor uh, Chip Ingram. On the sermon. I, by the way, found the text that I think he's closest to, and it is Second Corinthians chapter three, which says, "After the veil of Moses comes up, then this is verse sixteen. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord." Nice. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see how how he, he sticks with that text, etc. Now, one more thing that we do need to mention is he he talked about the you know the more we come to worship and see God, uh, the more He transforms us. And this reminds us of a little heresy that was uh, condemned <laughs> in the uh, the time of the Reformation, the, uh, dealt with in the Formula of Concord, and that is uh, Oceandrianism. Remember this. Uh, um, let's see, Andreas Osiander taught that by the indwelling of Christ, um, uh, he transforms uh, you from inside and out. And so it's not that you are declared righteous, and so because of God's declaration you are righteous. It's rather that God indwells in you, and then you are being transformed. You are changing into be righteous, which is a big problem because it really just goes back to the same problem that we had with Roman Catholicism, where you are uh, baptized and and made new, and now you're given the, the law to, to become better. There's, there's, there's nothing different than that. So the, the point here isn't that we ontologically change into righteousness so that we can uh, stand before God. The point is that we can't change to be righteous, and so God is going to declare us and because he has declared us righteous, what God says goes. <laughs> what God says happens. And so uh, we are righteous because God said it. 
I, I agree with that. Okay. Well, here's the rest. Well, some more <laughs> of the sermon. With the Spirit, <laughs> those four participles, three of the four, are going to talk about what? Worship. It's going to talk about speaking. When do you speak psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Like, when do you do that? Wait a minute. That's a when you question. worship. When do you sing? And was it, was it like really hot today? I mean, <laughs> this is usually a very intellectual group that's really savvy. And, you know, you give me that, you know. And I'm not even talking as fast as normal. When do you sing and make melody in your heart toward the Lord? When you very good. Okay? What's, what's occurring, whether you're privately in your devotions or whether it's in a worship service or whether you're singing a song of thanks or whether you're driving in the car or whether you're reacting even to a difficult situation when under your breath you are saying, thank you, Lord, in things and for everything. What are you really doing then? You're worshiping. I want to suggest this passage gives us three modes to see God through worship. Three. Oh boy. Let's, let's just, just one, one quick word there. Um, can't, can't disagree with too much what he's saying as far as, um, you know, when we uh, offer kind of short prayers to God throughout the day, that's, that's fine. Um, I would point out, though, that um, this is setting up the idea of worship as being something that is man-centered. So primarily what is going on in worship, what is primarily going on in worship is men praying, men singing, men uh, acknowledging God. And that, I would agree, is a part of worship, but I would say that that is not the main thing in worship. Rather than worship being man-centered, that worship would actually be uh, Christ-centered. And so Christ is working in the worship. He's forgiving. He's bestowing his gifts. He's uh, offering his grace and mercy through his word and through his sacraments. Um, and then, of course, men respond in thanksgiving to that. But, but, but worship starts with Christ. It doesn't start with man. Um, even though man is uh, correctly directing his worship and praise to God, that doesn't make it Christocentric. It's still anthropocentric, man-centered, uh, because man is doing the doing. Fair doing enough? the doing. All right, so let's see where he goes. Uh, fair enough. I think, by the way, I found a different text that I think he's talking about. This is the Colossians text. Colossians 3.16. Uh, yeah, Let the word of Christ dwell in you uh, richly at all wisdom, teaching one another, not admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I think I can't quite get what text he's talking about, but this maybe comes up. So. This, this is a nice game that uh, guess the text that the preacher's preaching on. I like this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Well, Pastor my Ingram favorite. continues. It's my new favorite game. Three <laughs> specific ways. The first we're going to look at is corporate worship. The second we're going to look at is personal worship. And the third thing we're going to look at is what I call practicing the presence of God worship. So let's dig in. Let's let's talk about corporate worship here. Corporate worship comes out of verse 19, the first portion, where we speak. There's fellowship, songs, hymns, spiritual songs. My definition for corporate worship is the regular gathering of God's people to meet and powerfully experience God in order to ascribe to Him the glory of the focus, and the rightful place in their hearts. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Just, That's a nice, succinct definition. <laughs> I appreciate the definition. No. I appreciate the clarity. <laughs> the simplicity. <laughs> um, now, laying, laying that side by side of um, maybe an Augsburg confession or, uh, of, of uh, worship, 
uh, is going to be rather revealing, you know. So, so Augsburg um, isn't it, Pastor? That uh, um, the, the uh, well, and it, it's not necessarily defining worship, but defining what the church is, where uh, the gospel is rightly pre, or the gospel is purely uh, preached and the sacraments rightly administered. Is that right? Yeah, there there are some definitions of, of worship, like in the Augsburg uh, Apology, the Augsburg Confession, and it says worship is faith which receives from God all the things mm. He wants to give. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the highest form of worship is uh, receiving gifts from God. Yep. yep. Yeah. So so now comparing that then uh, with with uh, Pastor Ingram's definition of worship is the gathering together for what uh, for experiencing experiencing God. Um, so, so and describing to him the rightful place yes, yeah. in our heart. Yeah. Um, so, oh man, I guess I guess we'll just kind of repeat everything <laughs> about uh, being man-centered um, and mystical. Yeah, I think there is something here, but because I and maybe and maybe this makes me be a little less critical of this whole. So, I mean, the Bible will talk about Christ in our heart. Uh, there's a text in Ephesians that mentions this, and 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 it is <clears throat> there. So the world is a fantastically disordered place, and we're disordered externally and internally. And the the I think this Jesus in our heart thing is a sense to try to have some sort of internal order. Hmm. Try to order, at least if I can't have order in my external world, at least I can have some sort of order in my conscience. And I think there's a kind of theological instinct that's pushing towards that, and I think that's fine, really. The problem is it gets into the whole false doctrine of of um, no means of grace, mysticism, uh, rejecting the external word, and and almost aban- it's a kind of Gnosticism that's going to abandon the outside world, and, uh, all for the sake of uh, the internal life, etc. Right. Well, and and the the art of theology, if I can call it that, is a matter of an emphasis, right? So you can emphasize the 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 matter of Christ. In you, which, as we said, isn't isn't wrong, but that just the fact that Christ is in you isn't what makes you um, righteous before God. So um, we 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 must then go back to what is the comfort in the in in the fact, the reality that we are sinners before a righteous God. It's not that Christ is in us; it's that He has forgiven our sins by dying on the cross outside of us. And so when you when you emphasize a, 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 a truth, you know, again, it's not taking away from the truth, but when you emphasize the, a truth that isn't actually addressing our main sin problem, then we're going to be heading towards mysticism and all the all the rest, Oceanrianism and everything else. Yep. Okay, about forty seconds before our next break. Here's some more of Pastor. Oh man, <laughs> that he holds in the universe. Now that's kind of long, so let me say it again, and just <laughs> it really was long, wasn't it? Corporate worship. Now think about this, though. I don't care if you write it down. Get the tape. I mean, th- I mean, let God speak to you here, all right? Corporate worship is the regular gathering of God's people to meet and experience God. Why? So that we can ascribe to Him the glory and the focus and the rightful place in our hearts that He already holds in all the universe. All right, that's our definition of corporate worship again, and we are coming up on our last uh, break. So, uh, after this commercial break, <laughs> that's crazy right there. <laughs> uh, sorry, Pastor, I don't think we're going to make we're, it. We all of a sudden game. became fight, fighting for the faith <laughs> how somehow. Did the, how did this happen? 
I don't know. <laughs> okay. We've well, been shanghai <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to have to put off your game of Tinker Man to the News to another show. Uh, but don't worry, yeah. we played every other show anyway, so we'll get to it eventually. <laughs> uh, more of... Uh, news Radio. <laughs> that's right. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio right after this. I want to break free. Sounds angry. <laughs> God knows. God knows I want to break free. In a recent survey, 98% of listeners can't stand Table Talk Radio. We would like to express our gratitude to those who did not participate in the study. I would never suggest a Playing all your favorite hits <laughs> tonight, New Year's Eve. Club Rogue River. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Pastor Wolfmuller being just thoroughly obnoxious in today's edition of oh, Table Talk Radio. Um, but <laughs> That's just great. <laughs> I didn't. I was too wrapped up in that sermon to make the Club Rogue River T-shirt. <laughs> I need to get my priorities straight here. Yeah, you do. Well, since we have 10 minutes left in this radio program, we're going to need That's to crazy. make some ground. So here, here, here's some more of the Luther, sermon. Luther, you've totally hijacked our show. Yeah, I don't think this is this game's working out so far. We haven't even looked at the analyzer yet. Well, let's let's try to get as much of the sermon as we can. We, I mean, we have to address okay. things, right? But at the end, at the end of the show, we'll we'll spend a couple of minutes looking at the analyzer. But here is okay. more of Pastor Chuck Ingram or Chip. Sorry, Chip Ingram. Do you get it? You think it's a priority? You think corporate worship is just something that's kind of nice, a suggestion thrown in there? How important do you think corporate worship is to God? Notice the text here, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up the habit of meeting together, as is the habit of some, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. We are commanded in Scripture as believers to gather and come together to spur. It's a very strong word. To spur, to ignite, to challenge, to inspire, to instruct, to engage one another, to love and good works, coming together as the body of Christ to worship God. Very high priority to God. Notice Psalm 27.4, Old Testament picture of this. Think of David, one of the wealthiest men in the world. He had, he had it all. Powerful warrior, musician. And if you ask David in a personal, you know, like 60-minute interview, David, what's the one thing that's most important to you? Is it all your armies? It is all your wives? All your concubines? All your treasures? And David would say, one thing. One thing I've asked of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? What's David want to do when he comes to the house of the Lord, the synagogue in those days, when he draws near with God's people, what does he want to do and why? What's it say? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. 
Let's right, stop it there. We've got to talk about that verse. Because yep. that's a beautiful, beautiful verse. Uh, in fact, it's one of my most favorite of all of the scriptures. But, but, but people say, well, how, how is that not a mystic verse? And the, and the answer is that, that, that David is seeking to the face of the Lord, uh, I should say this, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord in the temple. So it's in the temple by the sacrifice that the <laughs> that the Lord is clothing Himself, so that He can, so that His beauty can be seen. So 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 He's not just tripping into the holy of holies and saying, "All right, show me your beauty," right? Because He would be exactly. struck down dead if He did that. Yeah. Okay. Dead, huh. dead. So uh, maybe in a similar way, then the the just just as the Lord uh, clothed Himself through in, in the sacrifices, and and there David saw the beauty of the Lord. So the Lord uh, clothes himself today in his very body and blood in the person of Jesus. And now uh, through now Jesus is the new temple. So mm-hmm. the question is, where do we find Jesus? Well, you find mm-hmm. Jesus where his word is preached and where his sacraments are given. Yep. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. That's where the beauty of the Lord is. Great. Starting to get this idea, see unveiled faces, behold, gaze, the beauty of the Lord. Are you starting to get what... Corporate worship is all about. It's God's people coming together regularly, systematically, to meet God, to see Him for who He is, and then to ascribe the glory and the focus and the rightful place in your heart that He already holds in the universe. Huge priority. The purpose is to behold God and to see Him. The purpose is to recalibrate your soul. Oh, do you find that see, when you oh, come? See, you, you, and you hear what that's talking about? This the recalibrating of the soul. So the idea that there's disorder and that mm. I think this is true. By the way, that we need to have a that our conscience needs to be reflective of the Lord's order, both by creation, meditating on the law, and also by redemption, meditating on the death of Jesus, knowing His word. Uh, there is an orderly to the conscience, and that's what the chip is is um, is shooting for. And in that sense, he's I mean. It's all right. It's good. I mean, it's a good thing to shoot for, but... All right, keep going. Sorry. Worship that does that. Do you find that your soul... What's that old song? You know how our hearts are prone to drift, prone to wander. When you come and see God, when we sing, when we get into the Scriptures together, when we fellowship with one another, we behold God. It recalibrates your soul and gives you perspective about what's important and who you are and how much... Are you being the band in the background for him? That doesn't count, by the way. Dude, everyone <laughs> likes that song because it was written in Ireland. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just want you know, I just want to be able to make a mistake. That's not the band playing. That's just Pastor Wolf and they're humming. Okay, that's a nice one. Okay. Well, I sing that one with the kids, you know. <laughs> okay, here it is. But you're loved, and that God is sovereign and good, and you need to remember that as we see all the things happening in the world. That's the purpose of corporate worship. It's to encounter and experience Him. And then, are you ready for this purpose? It's so that you can come to give your offering. See, the word worship literally means to ascribe worth. We've, we've almost lost this in our day. Hold on a minute, a minute, a minute. That's what the English word means. <laughs> oh, what are you going to... You're going to ruin everything by bringing in original languages now? <laughs> I mean... Worthship. I'm not even sure that's true. Keep going. I'll look it up. Don't worry. We unconsciously think that worship is a place to come and either get something or to be entertained or to be motivated. <laughs> Isn't that We've ironic? We've just sort of fallen into it. 
But when you would come before any king at any time in any country in almost any culture in the world, you came in homage number one and you were privileged to get to have access. Few people ever did. And you could never come to a king unless you brought what? An offering. Oh, boy. The reason we come together and ascribe and give him the place in our hearts that he holds in the universe is so that we get to offer something to him. This is awful. Um, seems like I remember somewhere in the Bible, maybe like Hebrews, about Jesus being the um, atoning sacrifice for us. The all, you know, um, what, what text am I thinking of right now? The uh, the New Testament, <laughs> yeah, the all the the all of the Bible. <laughs> the all the <laughs> That's your reference. The everything. <laughs> but uh, we, oh my, I, this is we do not come to to church to offer something before him because he has offered himself as the sacrifice. So now, because Jesus has sacrificed himself as the offering before God the Father, um, there is now nothing left for us to, uh, um, uh, what am I trying to say, uh, to, to offer for God as, as an offering. Now, we do have you know, passages that, you know, uh, like Romans chapter 12, right? What's that? What's that about? Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Sure, sure. Um, now we, we, we do, we do have that and, 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 um, uh, you know, this is the, this is the new creation, one who has been made new in the gospel, how he, you know, responds, but this, uh, this is not what worship is about, <laughs> right? I mean, I guess this is the same thing. Are, are we coming around the word of God to, to receive from him or are we just coming around to worship the sovereignty of God? If if the point of worship is only to worship the sovereignty of God, that doesn't that isn't good news for us. That's not a good thing. We have a minute and a half left. Oh, you've got to be kidding me! <laughs> um, did you did you have a, a word or two on that? We can start going through the. the I was analyzer. looking. I'm I'm doing the old English on on worship, but he, Jesus says uh, this. He says, uh, "Who's greater, the one that sits at the table, the one who serves, and yet I am among you as the one who serves." Mm-hmm. So that it's it might be true that all pagan worship is bringing gifts to God. But it is in the Bible that God says, "Look, I don't need your gifts. You can offer sacrifice. I'm not gonna. If I'm hungry, I'm not gonna tell you about it." <laughs> See, this Christian worship is entirely different than this pagan idea of worship of bringing sacrifices to God. Yeah, I mean, Christian worship is that God has offered the sacrifice of Himself for us. Mm-hmm. He, the Lord has provided, you know, Jehovah Jireh and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, so this, this is what what stands in contrast to every other king in the universe who demands offerings, and our God who offers himself as the offering. Yep, that's right. Um, oh, my goodness. Okay, so let's, let's try to go through this. Is this a female preaching to a mixed group? No. No, no, they got um, a man. Uh, does the, the, the teacher start off with a story about himself? Well, we don't, don't know. So. Well, we didn't, we didn't hear that. So, um, no. Does the shepherd teacher start with a biblical text? It does sound like he's working. From uh, some sort of text, yeah. yeah. So, so far we're good at the introduction. Is the teacher working through a sermon series that the Bible does not address? So the sermon series is um, how to overcome being a, a, a hypocrite in your public life. I guess the Bible talks about that. Okay. Um, is there a? I guess. Is there a skip before the sermon? No, there's not. Uh, does the teacher take scripture out of context? Presumably, yes. Yeah. 
especially with the reference to worship and offering. So we have a yes there. Does the teacher preach about himself using stories, anecdotes? I didn't no, hear any. Pretty good on Did that. Did you? One. No, I think we're okay. Um, does the teacher allegorize and eisegete the text and make it about you? Uh, yes. Yes, I think so too. Um, does the teacher insult people who want to learn more? No, I don't. No, think he was the opposite. He was good on that. Yeah. Does the teacher use tithing as a way to get money for the fellowship? No. No. Does the teacher avoid sin or downplay the doctrine of sin? Boy, Here, the answer is, has to be yes, because there's this kind of nascent mysticism, which is precisely that, downplaying of sin, right? Yeah. So, so far we're at minus 70. Does the teacher fail to use complete sentences? Mostly was... sentences and long ones sometimes. <laughs> okay, does the teacher invite the worship team to come up? He does, by the way. Uh, here, I can I can prove it if you'd like. We can, we can bounce out with it. War- Three next chip. Just on the edge, on the edge. And today's talk. Oh. You're gonna go. You think about how much I think. Hey, I'm. Uh... Never mind. That's not good radio. Uh... <laughs> what are you talking about? To... <laughs> Consummate professional. You have to take my word for it. He does do that. <laughs> so yes. So now we're in negative points. Now was the sermon full of imperative gotta do's, uh, but no gospel. There wasn't much gospel, I don't think. So minus another 50. Does the message, uh, is the message full of gospel but no imperatives? So gospel light. No, not really. Does the teacher give an altar call for the people to receive Christ? I don't think that he does that at the end. Um, but lastly, does the message point you to Christ for the forgiveness of sins? And we'd have to say no. Not, not this time. So Not today, boys. Sorry. He's getting a negative. Boy, I lost track. About a negative 200 on this one, huh? I don't, have, I don't know how to work this thing. It's too complicated. All right. I need my Fortran compiler. Well, Luther, thanks for sending it to us. You might want to send it over to Chris Roseborough at Fighting for the Faith. <laughs> uh, he can make use of this probably. Um, but uh, we, do, uh, we do thank you for the submission. If you have anything you want to send to us, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the calories you get from eating a donut hole. Did I say that? You said that last time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. (laughs) I thought it was worth it twice. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before (laughs) listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, The points are like all the fun we're going to have. Psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors. Are y'all people up here? Sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Pastor, Pastor Wolfman hasn't even seen the inside of a club before. <laughs>